106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Found my mind in a brown paper Hello, one big Jackson. I'm out. Big Pampas on the board. He's our Monday guest, and he's on the board, because little, little Matt Byrne is down in uh, New Orleans for the big jazz festival. And we got Kevin, too. We got Kevin. Why don't you uh, slip my slider up just a tad so I can hear myself. Yep, don't know how to do that. All right, well, we'll... Uh, we'll <laughs> oh, God. All right, <laughs> S&P Futures up eight, and S&P Futures up one and a quarter. Uh, Kevin, are you with us? Good morning. I, uh, nice and clear. Yeah, um, very, very clear. Can hear you uh, well. I was uh, have a. I don't know why I'm, I'm feeling like I'm the freaking traffic reporter. Uh, this morning, I it was probably a very good day for me to not have a concealed carry permit. Just saying. Uh, I go to get on. I go to get on the expressway, and of and of course, there's a guy behind me. I go up the ramp. There's a uh, uh, you know there's a gap in the traffic with the construction. I slide right in. The guy behind me flies around. Like, I wasn't going fast enough, right? Flies around. Of course, he's got no license plate. He goes into the second lane to get around everybody. Of course, there's a car there. So he has to fly back toward me. Fortunately, I saw him pulled over, maybe missed me by six inches. I am outraged. Got to be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful. Those people. I'm like, what, what, they what don't is have going license on? This is, this is, maybe they have guns. This is right after... Uh, um, you got to kick your voice up a little bit, Greg. Also, uh, the uh, this is after last night. I leave my brothers like ten minutes early. Why I don't? Why I don't know? I just said, you know what? I'm not going to wait for coffee. I'll see you guys. Get on the Ryan, and all of a sudden I see all the traffic stopping in front of me, and I go, all right, should I get off at 79th and get on State Street, or should I just sit here and hope it clears up? So foolishly, I sit there. Now it's moving. We're getting around on the shoulder. Of course, I get to 76th Street, and there is like. Three cars over on the side. I couldn't really tell who's dented or whatever. I wasn't really paying attention to that. A couple cars in the middle, a couple of bikes down, a, a body laying in the middle of the expressway, just covered up like he's, he's gone. And I got another body behind one of the cars. I wasn't really sure. I'm saying this is, this is just a swell way to end your w- weekend, right? I'm like, you know, wh- what is going on? I mean, what absolutely is going on? I mean, uh, the, uh, this is, be- of course, two guys that already passed me like 100 miles an hour. Is there any way we can deal with any of this carnage, Kevin, or, or not? Or can we deal with any of these people? I mean, this guy this morning 
if he had any kind of police force, would have gotten his three tickets and his license suspended if we do that anymore inside of, you know, one trip down the expressway, if we had anybody. I mean, do, is, this, is this total anarchy? Are, are, we, are we okay with this? Because I'm not. I'm just saying. Well, who doesn't love some good anarchy now and then? Uh, yeah, I suppose. You know, but you, could, you know, you might. But in, in in reality, yeah, you got to start. You know, you have to start going after everything, and it takes a real commitment to do it. But you know, we we can't continue like this. Uh, right now, we are in pick up the pick up the gun uh, shells and pick up the body mode. The chances of anybody getting pulled over, I don't, I don't know what you'd have to do. You could probably you could buzz a police car. Maybe that would do it. Maybe. But if if the car was darkened out enough and stuff, and then then nobody wants to go after you anyway. I mean, I don't. I don't. Well, in some cities, they they have a no chase rule, and and I I do get what's behind that. It's it's generally done because uh, police chases can be uh, very dangerous. But uh, nevertheless, um, it's uh, you know if 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 they, if uh, drivers know they're not going to get chased when they. Uh, uh, you know when they uh, start up, you know start to run away or start to drive away. Yeah, it's gonna. They're they're just you know, if they know if they know nothing's coming, they're gonna. That's exactly what they're gonna do every single time. Did you? I don't. You probably didn't get a chance to look at it. Did you see that little article I sent you about the Kia boys in Milwaukee? Uh, no, I did not see that one. Okay, I, I sent it late last night. The uh, the Kia boys are um, Kia and Hyundai. Kia and Hyundai, yes. Um, but they're known as the Kia Boys. That's uh, uh, th- that's what they go by, and and this it was a follow up to what Carl was talking about on Friday. How you know they they allow their cars to be easy to steal, which you know is is part of the equation. But um, but then what what happens is um, they uh, uh, the, these guys go and they they video it and they just go driving recklessly around Milwaukee, uh, and and these are you know like not 16 year olds yet uh and there you know there's a documentary about them because they know in milwaukee that's it's a don't you know don't chase them uh city so they don't chase they don't get chased so they just go and drive recklessly and they know if they put the hammer down when the uh, cops come that they will be fine um i'm gonna say something like an old guy here um you well, are an old guy. You might as well. My uh, my uncle, who has been dead for like a real long time, was on the county police, and I remember I was uh, I couldn't have been more than seven or eight, and all of a sudden he pulls up in this incredible car. <laughs> I mean, it was a '57 Olds Super 88 with three on the tree and like and three deuces or something. You're saying it. it wrong. What tree in a tree? Tree in a tree. Yep, tree in a tree. Yeah, south side. You got to yeah, go south tree side. Tree in a tree. Convertible, so he takes me out for a ride, and I think, God, was it awesome! I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. Well, he's giving me, he's giving me the story. He's a county police. He's sitting on the side of the road, you know, doing his traffic stuff. All of a sudden, this car buzzes by. <laughs> he goes, he says, you know, we go after him in my six-cylinder Ford. We we start out, and I go, this isn't happening. Uh, radio's ahead. He goes a mile down the road. Two guys had him. He said, you can't you cannot run the radio. Now, my question is, in Milwaukee or any other place, if you have any of this going on, the simple fact is, I mean, if I was going to do patrol on the Ryan, just from what my uncle and people used to tell me were police in the family, I would just I would just sit there 
at 65 miles an hour or whatever, and if somebody would pass me, I'd, you know, have a camera in the front of the car, if somebody goes by me at 100, I would just wire ahead. I would not immediately accelerate, and there should be two to three people a mile down from me. And all they do is pull the guy over. And I show up with the, with the video and with the speed, and it's done, done. But I don't try and go 120 to catch the guy. That's stupidity. But it's all coordination. It's all having enough Wouldn't people. Wouldn't that require more, more manpower? Well, whatever. But I'm saying it, whatever it is. I mean, it, I'm saying if, if you want to do it, there's a way to do it in the same way in Milwaukee. I think that would just be cameras now, right? Well, but the cameras, nobody's watching them. And, and what are you going to do? You can't just... I don't. I don't know. I'm in favor of shooting out. Yeah, ca- cameras are evidence when you, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, after you made an arrest. Can, uh, you just they just take the picture and then they go to court later. That's hey, the well, way to get them. Yeah, Thanks, but uh, Michael. But I'm saying if you want to do this, there, there, the idea that we we can't chase, we can't catch anybody is bull. There, there's there, there, the idea is to have somebody downstream. You cannot run the radio. If you want to do it, you can catch people. If you want to do it, I mean, it's a question of coordination. Spike strips. Yeah, but you can't spike strip on the expressway. No. You'll take a lot of people with you. So, well, um, Let's do about but, a week but, of that. But it, it, it is, uh, I go back to what Tom's saying, if you want to, you can do this. Um, it, it requires strategy, and it requires, um, you know, a, a little bit of willpower, and it does require manpower that, um, that they've managed to uh, discourage from uh, joining the force. I would think that if you... Had some kind of a rule. I remember driving up in Toronto one day. We flew up for some uh, conference, and I get in a rental car, and then we go into Toronto, and uh, I see a sign, something along the lines of, uh, they're, they're kilometers per hour up there. Cause, so I'm way off. Mike probably knows this better than me, being spending time in Europe. What is it? Uh, is it 80 kilometers an hour is the speed limit, or 65? And then it was like 90, 150 bucks, 100, 250 bucks, 110. Forfeit the car. Is can't be can't be. Yeah, but if it's a stolen car, so what? okay. But I'm saying, I'll bet that if you did that for a month here, that out of all the recidivists, the people that do it all the time, you you'll collect 200 cars. I'm not saying you're not going to get them back to it. We are if you with the right you know once you go to court. I, I think you could you would you would solve the problem. You would lower the problem dramatically if people actually knew you were looking for them. The police chief the other night said we're gonna we're gonna go back downtown to bring in the prisoner vans downtown because when the kids see those they go back home. Well, there's there's such a thing as the uh, Butterfield effect. Have you ever heard of that? No. Well, I probably well it was named in honor of a columnist, a New York columnist, many years ago, back when Giuliani was uh, actually the mayor still. Um, and named in fr- uh, in honor of this guy Fox Butterfield, who just was incredulous that our prison population was high, even though the crime rate was down. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's uh, not quite getting how correlation and causation work. Well, having said that, why the the reasons why? I mean, I think one of the reasons why the Soros's of the world that don't live here, uh, and I and I'm not blaming him personally. But I think an awful lot of people look at America, and you know whatever other people think isn't necessarily wrong. They look at America, and we have more people incarcerated by far than any other any other real country in the world, and yet we have the highest crime rate. So you could easily say that whatever it is we're doing is not working. Now you and I may say 
those 10 people we saw last night or this morning, if they were in jail last night, would have been safer. And I don't, I don't think we're wrong. But I also know that whether we got a million and a half people in jail here, that, that's not working. Whether they're, whether they're getting worse in jail or something, I don't know. But, I mean, they're not wrong by saying this, this method by itself is not working. Whether there's no training in jail, whether there's no job training, whether, whatever it is, I don't know. But, but they're not wrong by thinking that. What do you guys think? I think broken windows policing worked very well in New York. I, I, I do too, but I, but it, but because it, it stopped people from doing, it was effective. Yet, I mean, no, nobody has it. I mean, this stuff going on in Texas. How many people got killed in the one mall shooting? I mean, who was that guy? He didn't even know any of these people. And what's with the idiot who, who ran the car into the into the uh, bus stop where all the migrants were? I mean, you can you can be against. The, the border policy, that doesn't mean you run your car into any of the people there. I mean, can't be, don't people get there's a difference there? I, I don't know how people think anymore. You know, and, and that's that's my old man statement of the day. And I keep telling my kids, uh, I mentioned, I, you know, I will um, at times when it comes up say to my students, look, this is, you know, I, I generally when in, in class I don't get into this kind of stuff a lot. I try to avoid it unless the students bring it up. But uh, but one thing we do talk a lot about in the uh, IT world is privacy. So I, I have the same conversation with privacy. And that's, look, you guys, I'm at the point where, you know, I'm going to be the old man sitting in the rocker on the porch criticizing everything. You're the ones that are going to have to live with it. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the message here is who's, you know, who's really going to have to live with the way things are? Well, then you better figure out how you want, you know, how it is you want to live. And, um, I, you know, I don't know. We we only have divisive conversations about these things anymore so it's pretty it's pretty hard to uh, come to solutions and yet i would think if you talk to all of to, to average people you will find out that there is a hell of a lot of college, uh, common ground all right we got two things i want to talk about one is this is hacking crime raves that they're talking about but first uh, i really asked mike to be on because awful lot of ukraine news this weekend mike i don't know if you were on, on top of some but you usually are uh We've got, I guess, one of our anti-missile system knocked down one of the Russians' best missile or one of their best missiles. We've got the Pope getting involved, and he was evidently at a meeting with the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, who somehow or another, maybe he's being tortured, I don't know, but he's given Putin the high moral ground on this on this war. Uh, I don't know what their conversation. No, they're not. They're not torturing him. He's all for it. Well, it's, I mean, I, that's why, I no. Why. The Russian Orthodox Church traditionally backs the Russian government. I mean, that's kind of a, that's the status quo. Okay, so what do you think the conversation him and the Pope went? How did that go? Did he come to fight fisticuffs? Oh, I doubt that it went all that well. I mean, in uh, the the Pope is probably trying to get the Russians to stop, but Putin, he's not ready to stop yet. He doesn't have what he wants. Uh, what about the, the, he's trying to get the 20,000 kids back. He, he claims he had some success. Well, he claims. He's the Pope. I don't think he's lying, but uh, he sa- said that they've got some prisoner transfers. What do you make of that, that uh, missile going down? Oh, that's just a sign that our training and our systems are working well. Uh, it, I mean, that's a good thing, but Zelensky isn't going to give up. I, I'm just not sure that there's any room at all for, uh, you know, a um, a peaceful conclusion to this. I believe that the Ukrainians want to have their spring offensive, and we'll see how it goes after that. It it seems to me that the 
that the Russian-speaking piece of the country, even if it's, I don't know what, you know more about that on a map than me, in the Crimea might end up, at the end of the day, hopefully not a million more bodies, might end up being, that that's the call. Or you think I'm totally wrong on that or what? Uh, no, I, I just don't think that Zelensky, he wants the eastern part of the country back. It, it, that's where the Russians have, there's a lot of Russian-speaking people in the mining areas to the east, and the Russians consider the Crimea part of Russia, but Zelensky considers the Crimea part of Ukraine. So I just don't think that there is a an easy way to end this. Well, there, there isn't between those guys talking. I mean, uh, but do you think that the rest of... Let's put it this way. If Europe and the United States, if Putin says, we can keep Crimea, you can have the rest of it, I'm not sure that people backing Zelensky don't go for that deal. Do you think there could be a, a forced deal on Zelensky someday? Perhaps. the I mean, the Chinese are involved negotiating with them also, the Pope. So the more people you get trying to put some pressure on Zelensky, but he's going to want the... I. I firmly believe, because he stated this, he's going to want Crimea. Well, I mean, people know want ice water, as they say. Right, but, uh, I mean, Crimea is historically part of, uh, well, it's it's part of both countries. I mean, Ukraine was really part of the old USSR also, So, and the only reason why it's an independent country is because Yeltsin was weak, and Clinton, uh, you know, took advantage of the weakness. Well, the, the Russians aren't going to give up the port. They're at least going to have to have access to the port, right? Right. They want Sebastopol because the the Russian Black Sea Fleet is still headquartered there. So somewhere and they're along, never going to want to give up that Black Sea access. Um, is there a way to do that? A neutral spot, or I mean, is there any way to do that without combined control or no control or a separate place or what? No, I, I think they could do that because they did it for years. I mean, for a long time, the uh, Sevastopol was, you know, had, was the headquarters of the Russian fleet, but it was also the, the Ukrainians, they didn't, I don't think they governed Sevastopol, but they let the Russian Black Sea Fleet stay there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, what, what do you suppose the, the, the people in Ukraine, and even though they're getting more more and better stuff from us and I think the Europeans. The longer this drags on, if, if Zelensky has an ounce of common sense, which I think he does, I, I hope he does, he must know that the world will eventually, in this, in this day and age, the world will eventually tire of helping him. Uh, so even though he says he wants everything, what do you think he's really, what do you think his end game is? If you, what does, if, he, if you were him, the, the Europeans and the U.S., especially if we go into a re- uh, big recession here, we're not be happy sending the guy stuff every single month again. I mean, I, I, I you have to read that. Going yeah, you're forward. you're looking for what you know what 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 he can live with. Yeah. Or uh, you know what what will he be? What does he want? And then what can he live with? So I don't know, Mike. What do you think? I, you know, that's a very good question, and I don't know what he can live with. I think he would like to control the East. I think maybe he would rather have Crimea than the east because there's a lot of Russian speakers out east and there's mines and the Russians want the the minerals that are in the eastern part of Ukraine. But also the eastern part of Ukraine 
it, that's a lot of the breadbasket that Ukraine wheat, is famous for. So, I mean, uh, lithium, there's only certain stuff. things that, well, I just don't think Zelensky's going to give up too easily because um, they just haven't, you know, if they haven't lost by now, I don't know that they are going to lose. Well, every time a shell lands on your property, you've lost something. I mean, you, you, you can't win a war on your soil, I don't think. When I say win, I mean, w- right now, how many, how many decades are they in rebuilding? I mean, how many more do they want to go? Right. That, I mean, that's a very valid question, and uh, I just don't know how much more he can take, and I, I don't know how much more. I think the populace, well, I know the populace is really behind Zelensky, so it's going to be difficult for him to, to uh, negotiate without getting all of what used to be Ukraine back. Well, all the populace isn't necessarily with him because there's how many million refugees are, are here and in Poland and Hungary. They're gone. Well, they're, they're with him, but true, they're gone. But they're safe at least, and that and they will back him now. Um, the well, refugees, I don't think, are an issue anymore. Well, the, the people here, you know, Angelica, and she told me how many people are in Chicago. It's like a lot. Did she, did she tell us fifty thousand, Greg? It's it's a big it was, number. Yeah, it was a it big was number above. But I mean, yeah, they're back at him, time. but they're here, right, <laughs> right Mike? I mean, I mean, are you going? No, absolutely. But the, it, they're safe, so you know that their negotiating position would, would be: look, let's get it all back. Uh, yeah. You okay. know, they're not getting bombed yeah. every day. So. Yeah, Mike, you're talking about their personal interests. They right. don't have they don't have a in any more personal interests. So now it becomes their philosophical interest and. In, uh, and their philosophical interest. See, one of the things to, to keep in mind, I, you know, I, I'm sure this is true of the Ukrainians, but I remember. Oh, it's been a long time, but I, I you know, had a uh, um, uh, a guy I worked with who was uh, first generation, born in this country, Polish, and he used to always remind me of how much the Poles hate the Russians. That this was really deep seated. It was deep seated in Chicago, and it was deep seated in Poland. And uh, and and I think you're you're probably looking at that in uh, in the case of Ukraine as well. Well, yeah, I mean, talk oh, about... I agree with you on that, Kevin. Yeah, ask Doctor J what he thinks of the Turks. <laughs> if many... right, yeah. but the, the, the point <laughs> being, the point being is, you know, is are are refugees are people who are here Ukrainians who are here in favor? Oh yeah, they're probably uh you know all about you know go get them, <laughs> you know do whatever you have to do get them. Well, you know, one of the, well, I don't, it's probably not all that obvious, but it's it's scary about, you know, one of the themes of the, sh- my main theme of the show that we talk about is everything, everything count everything, everything depends on everything else. And when Dr. J's wife, the lovely Bridget McGrath, was a judge in divorce court, one night we're out having a couple glasses of wine and she says to me, you know, Tommy, this, these divorces are so scary, they're all the same. And I go, what do you mean? She says, no matter what economic strata you are I went through all the numbers and all the judges went through we had a study the, the couple burns through roughly 40 to 45 percent of all their money fighting then realize this is a zero-sum game all we're doing is paying attorneys and finally they start to talk it doesn't matter if it's the Wrigley's it doesn't matter if the two schlumps down the block they, they, they burn through almost the same percentage now this is going to have an end somewhere it's going to be negotiated by <clears throat> someone, whether it's a regime change or what it is. 
The question is, do both sides really have to lose another 200,000 people for it to happen? I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of the same mentality, isn't it? It's an interesting way to think about it, yeah. I mean, somewhere along the line, it the end is going to be almost exactly where Mike puts it. Mike, Mike, no, you know, am, am I right, Mike? And, and yet, how many how many months and years and bodies are we away from getting there? Well, I, I think we're a long way from getting there because I just don't think that Zelensky is going to give in at this point. I don't think the Europeans are going to give in at this point. Maybe uh, we would give in, but I, I just don't see Zelensky. Uh, but he, Zelensky can't afford to fight without us. So, yeah. but the problem is Putin has made a land grab that's against international um, rules, and he should be punished for that. Oh, I agree with that. Okay, Putin, Putin so what what would what would change the U.S. commitment? What do you think would change that, Mike? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, fatigue, Kevin. Fatigue. In well, recession. it could be fatigue. It could be a change in administrations. Although you know we're two years from that, yeah. so who knows? You know, and the you know the Republican House is probably leaning against the war because they have nothing to lose so yeah i i just think yeah i know that this is conspiracy theory i think the the biden's the the biden corporation is making money from this so they don't want to end it either uh every in every war mike some people make money and some people lose kids yeah you're right about that tom let's go for a quick break here we should have john pile in you, both of you guys can hang. I love this Zoom because I can talk to more than one person. This, this was so difficult on the phones because you guys couldn't hear each other. So this is so much better. SP so Futures this, up eight, this whole newfangled Zoom thing, it's pretty cool. Yeah, this is pretty cool. SP Futures up eight, Nasdaq Futures up three. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Jacks. I'm Tom Big Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 8, NASDAQ Futures up 25 cents. Make that down 50 cents. NASDAQ flipping back and forth the flat line here, trying to build on Friday's rally after the, kind of the rest of the week kind of sucked, uh, if you were a bull anyway. Uh, but Friday we rallied on the uh, the jobs number. Not exactly sure by that. Why that? Because actually Carl said they were pretty good numbers on Friday, so Carl's a man who knows. Uh, we had the CPI coming out on Wednesday, so that's our new big number, our new big number to look forward to or do something with. Renee's, you got the Nikkei uh, down 208, that's 0.7%. The Hang Seng up uh, 247, 1.2%. Shanghai up uh, 60, 1.8%. And those guys are catching up because I don't think they were open on Friday. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 31.2%. FTSE up 75, that's a full percent. Uh, Kakaron up 20.3%. So the FTSE is an outlier over there. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The FTSE is closed. This is Friday on the FTSE. God, what is all these places being closed? They last traded on 5.2%. Makes it easy, makes it hard for a guy just running through this stuff. Uh, bonds, 10-year up one basis point, 3.47. The Bund up three basis points, 2.32. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.43. Friday, like I said, big rally, big wally. Uh, Dow up 5.46. S&P up 75. Nasdaq up 2.69. It was just relentless all day long, which is good if you were if you were long. Oil up a buck 92, trying to make a little bit of a rally here after being uh, not doing so good lately, but still only 73.26. Rent up a dollar eighty seventy seven ten. Natural gas up four cents two eighteen. Arabab up four cents at two forty one. We've got gold up seven forty two thousand and thirty two. Silver down three cents twenty five eighty nine. Copper up six cents three ninety four. We got Bitcoin down nine seventy nine twenty seven thousand nine seventy five. Was over thirty thousand a little while ago. Uh, the U.S. dollar uh, is down again today. With the uh, euro is now one point one zero five, which is kind of where it was last week. But the, the pound is gaining. The pound's almost 127, 126.6. So the pound is what's moving up forward here. So obviously there's a difference between what our Fed is doing and what their Fed is doing. That's what would cause something like that. Greg, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Um, good morning. We got 638 here in Chicago, 47 degrees, high of 61. Rain this morning, tapering to some showers later. Um, also, spring, uh, spring is here and high tree pollen counts. So watch out allergies and asthma sufferers. Phoenix, 64 degrees, high of 93, real feel all the way almost uh, to 100 today, sunny skies. Uh, sports, Marlin, Marlins beat the Cubs at Wrigley, 5-4. to four. Uh, The White Sox take care of the Reds, 17-4 to four in Cincy. Um, for traffic, we've got, we've got heavy delays inbound on 94. We've got average delays on 55 and um, 90. And let's see, in basketball, Phoenix takes care of Denver. Uh, they're tied 2-2. Two to two. Phoenix wins 129-124. You like to see some shooting. That's, that's the game you want. Those are the games you want to watch. Those guys yeah. are pretty good, both teams. Yeah. 
That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. We still have, I think Kevin's computer, Mr. Computer Guy, his computer just slapped him in the face from what he says here. But we, we should have John and Mike. Oh, I'm back. back. Oh, he's back? I'm back, too. Morning. Hey, uh, I got a question for you guys. Uh, as we went through the, the labor numbers Friday, as we're talking about uh, recession, well, some people are, and some people think we're already in one, depending on how you define it. Because now you get to define it every which way you want, evidently. Uh, sort of like moral relativism, only it's recession relativism. I don't know if that connects. But and my question to the, the three of you guys, maybe, is are the jobs numbers? I mean, when, when we were younger, I won't say everywhere. I mean, you could have been a gas station guy. But uh, when we were younger, ha- having a job essentially puts you at the spot where you didn't really have to worry about it wasn't like you got your own house or anything like that but you having a job you made enough just about everywhere to at least survive if you had the j word in front of you you had a job does those numbers mean the same now you have a job uh i know a lot of people working two and a half jobs does the the job making you know 12 15 hours is it it where does that put you? I guess it puts you a step ahead of welfare, but how far is it? Does it mean the same as it did? Because I listen to people all day long. There's no way you can have a recession with the unemployment rate here or with this many jobs being created. I'm not I'm not so sure about that. What do you guys think? Mike, why don't you go first? I don't think it means what it used to at all, Tom. Um, to have a subsistence job, um, meaning one that you can actually live on and pay your debts and stay out of bankruptcy court, and hang on to that job, you know, meaning that there's no prospect of, of a layoff that's imminent or, you know, downsizing or whatever. I think those days are long gone. Um, people, you know, are so saddled with debt now for their education, which didn't, you know, set them up for the jobs maybe they hoped they would be qualified for. Uh, they're trying to pay that off. What it takes now to survive is a totally different number from what it was 30, 40 years ago. So I would say, it doesn't mean anything like what it did. What do you got? And ahead, Tom, Mike. I agree with John on that, and I also agree with you. And I believe we are firmly in a recession, but you know that's beside the point. Well, so you weren't the guy buying the palm trees yesterday? <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> I went palm to, trees. Well, we get a load of this. This is you know you're a good boyfriend when you're going when you're hauling mulch for the girlfriend. I mean, this whole mulch thing just maybe I grew up in a, a smaller house but uh, this whole mulch <laughs> thing kind of gets gets to me but well, Audrey's got me out buying mulch while she's with me it's only a specific kind of mulch right there's like a gazillion kinds of mulch which you could have A I don't really care about nor, nor do I know about but we had to go for this one kind right so there's a guy I don't know if he got PPP money or what he got he's got a truck it had to cost him 100 grand Right, he's got this gorgeous Chevy four-door long bed with the little things on the side that ride up and down. I mean, whatever. For if you want to get, you know, you need a step to get in because it's a twenty-five hundred series. He's buying <clears throat> probably six or seven palm trees because that's all he could fit in the back of the thing. So the guys helped me put the mulch in the truck. They go, you know, those things are like eight hundred a piece, and oh by the way, they die in September. Yeah. <laughs> I go, you got to be kidding me. The guy goes, no. He goes, and we we sell out of them. Yeah, that's people love these things around their swimming pool, and the first thing you got to do when come September is pull them out. <laughs> it's I guess some people have some dough. Just saying, even on, even on the south side. But uh, for the rest of us, I 
I don't. Uh, I, I think the difference now than the recessions when we were younger is those is uh, Diane Swank who's on TV all the time. She's been on the show a couple times. I heard her speak, and one day I can't believe she, if she ever listened to the speech, she'd probably be horrified. She said it. She goes, "I know all about a recession. My girlfriend's husband or my girlfriend's father was out of work for six months, and I'm going. Not so sure that hits real close to home, but it used to be if you were off work, you were in the recession, right? And uh, and sometimes you got money from the union while you were while you were off for a little while, but then as soon as you went back, as long as you didn't run up big debts in the meantime, everything was okay again, right? I mean, but now I, I think there's a lot of people that are working that every year have less buying power than they did the year before. And that, that, to me, is the definition of a recession on an individual basis. About I, 6% less, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got a raise of 4 and inflation's 8 and guess where you are? You're down 4 But uh, what did Nancy say? Was it two weeks ago, uh, Greg, where uh, that she now, it's, well, Carol always talks about, you know, the, the big slip was, slip, slippage was all of a sudden the guy or a lady worked, and then all of a sudden 20 years ago or 25 years ago, both people had to work. And now that's that's kind of not enough. So Nancy says she has all kinds of people that she gives mortgages to, gives she gets mortgages for, that uh, ladies working, the guys working, one of them is like a CPA, and oh, by the way, they're doing taxes on Saturday and Sunday from January to April. So somebody's got like two and a half jobs now. And how, how far can we push this? Yeah, it's it's going to happen until, until two and a half jobs becomes two and a half for both, and then you can't work. Then you can't. Well, then, then, you know, then you get. I mean, what, what? If we keep kidding ourselves on the numbers, how can we, how can we come to a, like this debt ceiling thing? I sent you guys the stuff last night. Mike, what do you, what do you think, Mike and Jan or Kevin, who's ever has this? What do you think about this? I mean, it, now McCarthy can't go back to the twenty people in his place. He just want all these, everything cut. Well, that, that's not going to happen, because by the way, when the Republicans were in, they didn't cut anything either. You know, so obviously cutting is, is beyond the realm of these guys. But now what are we going to do? We're going to fight about it again. And if we decide to not pay people for four or five months, I don't know if that's an answer to anything. But if McCarthy caves, does that mean that his 20 people then throw him out? I mean, where, where are we going with this? Well, uh, McCarthy is in a difficult position, and... Uh, he, at least he was able to get the 20 to agree to his plan, and uh, the Dems don't have a plan yet. The, you know, you, you talked about it earlier, and this is a switch, but people are angry, and, you know, the debt ceiling battle is, a, is another crisis that the government could avoid, but they won't. So, you know, the, the American public just keeps getting... Things are becoming absolutely ludicrous with our governing people. So, who knows? Well, Mike, do you think it's a? Happen. Do you think it's a reflection of society itself? I actually read something once that said the reason why the government doesn't pay any of their bills. Look at how much America has out on credit cards. It's the same thing. Yeah, but uh, you know. People can be punished for not paying their bills. The government isn't being punished at all, and, and that's probably why we need term limits. Well, I have, I have a. That's another whole story. I have a a, a big problem with the term limit debate, uh, and it's not because I think you're wrong. I think because if we decided to do that today, we got to wait eight years to see if it works, and if it didn't, it's too late. 
I mean, I, that's true, but uh, I just you know, the the Schumers of the world, the Hakeem Jeffries, the Nancy Pelosi's, and the Mitch McConnells. I don't want to name just Democrats. People in D.C. If they can't pass a budget, they don't deserve to govern. And if uh, we just we we just need a a change in um, in the mentality in D.C. You know the the I'm, absolute power just isn't working. I uh, I have, I'm absolutely with you on this, but bring John in. I John, you and I have had this discussion, and I let's put it this way: being in the business side of the world, not that you guys aren't is the first thing I would do, it's a workaround. I mean, right now, if I'm Pfizer, I could probably, I use the term, pay off the top 30 people or 40 people in Congress, and that's probably good enough. They've been there forever. I've been paying them. All I know is if, if all of a sudden those people are gone, I just go further down. I'm, I'm like the uh, bit, the Bitcoin guy was. Who's the, the knucklehead with, uh, what's his name, Greg? The guy who's going SBF. to SBF. SBF. Yeah. Sam Bankman-Fried. Sam Bankman-Fried. He gave money to Jesse Jackson's kid when he, just when he was running for Congress. You just drive the money further downstream. I, I don't. I don't know what you. I don't. I don't know what you get anywhere, Mike, in terms of of not of having people with a different with a clearer mind in there. Because I'm saying Jesse's kid is just as co-opted as, as, as Schumer and McConnell ever were, and he's not even there. And he just got in. He's been there two months. You know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you get anywhere with this one. <clears throat> However, if you if if you're not going to have a long-term career in there. Um, then you know it's it's one thing to be co-opted and just you know basically bribed it's another to just be co-opted in that you need the funds flowing into your constant campaign so that uh so that you can continue to hold the job and continue to be reelected and if that is taken out of the equation then I think you have a decent chance to uh, uh, to improve things because now you know what's what's your incentive. We we don't the four of us on this call do not have the time to wait and see if this works. Is my, I guess my point. Okay, well then we can just blow it off altogether. No, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm not. I'm not being. <laughs> I'm saying. I mean, I, I, and I'm 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 tongue in cheek, but not really. <laughs> well, know? I mean, it's it's. I guess what I'm saying is. If if this is the, if I if I'm the sleazy businessman, which I could put that hat on real easy because I've seen enough people do it, I could I can work around this term limit thing in a minute. Is, is my point. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'd, I'd I wish Pelosi had been out of there sooner. I, mean, I, I can't stand looking at McConnell or Schumer. I I get what you guys are coming from, but and, and I really do. We've talked a lot on the show, and Jan and I have talked about it. Is that there seems to be what's what's the the Latin River across the Rubicon? You know, you couldn't cross the Rubicon with the. It seems like people run for run for. Uh, let's let's say we ran Mike or John. Well, John's our attorney. We got to run him. Let's run John for office. And there's a point. If he's in the House, he goes in as a really good guy. And we have to straighten him up a little bit first. But then he goes in as a really good guy, and he runs a second time and a third time. It seems like he has those people have no power whatsoever. The last person on the bench, whatever party it is. And somewhere along the line, they either get co-opted and they become an eight-term guy, or they leave. And I don't know what you've been closer to Washington than me, Mike. But I don't. I don't know what happens there. I mean, Carl. Carl had uh, helped one of his buddies win down in Florida. He said the guy did one term. He couldn't. He couldn't wait to quit. 
you see that happen in Illinois a lot. I actually went to one of those, uh, what's the, the the big Jewish pack uh, with all the money for, they go, they go and see every single representative and they'll take you to Israel and they'll show you the place. And maybe they're, they're a solid, very well-worked pack. And a guy was giving a speech and he goes, people think there's no turnover in Congress. He goes, they're idiots. Because we got more turnover than we ever have. We know because we bring every new person to Israel and how much it's costing us. The turnover at the lower level is dramatic. But once you get to this, I don't know, Jan, you, you keep going with this because you don't want to. Once you get to this, like, four term thing, you're like in or something. And then. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a line that you can draw between, you know, the advantage of having somebody who's an elder advisor to the lower ranks, people coming up through the party, and people who are just way too, you know, far past their shelf date having any kind of a federal job at that point. And look, and look the Democrats now have, you know, painted themselves as you know the party of the, of the senile and the lame and the hall i mean you've got their <laughs> leadership which is you know nancy pelosi diane feinstein steny hoyer Ch- chuck schumer these people no matter how many terms they had they've they've gone past their usable dates they should have been out 10 20 years ago at least but instead they've hung on to power and this is you know this is the flip side of, of term limits you want people who, who are there and know the angles and know who to talk to and know how to get things done, but you don't want people 89 years old like Feinstein hanging out at their job and screwing thing, th- things up for your party's agenda. I, I'd be much more you know, in favor of having mandatory retirement ages um, than I would term limits because I think there's an advantage to having institutional memory and having a kind of hierarchy, but don't have the hierarchy serve the people at the top who are you know, completely incompetent at this point. So Just remember, anybody, somebody's old is 10 years. I, I put myself in that group, by the way. Just remember, <laughs> you're not old. And, old anybody incompetent. 10 years old, no matter what age you are, somebody 10 years older than you is old. <laughs> oh, no, we're all old. <laughs> no problem with that. <laughs> the, uh, you know, it's, but it's, it's, these are these things, though, that you, you, can, you can talk about them, but I don't know. I mean, I, I have a when I was on the board of the SIBO, and I, one of the reasons why I didn't win the third term was a lot of people thought two terms were enough. Okay. And it, it, you know what? They might have been right. But I say that I, I, was, I accomplished an awful lot more the second term than I did the first, because the first, couple, first year and a half or so, you're just bumbling around a little bit. And the last year, I probably did more than I did the other five. And if I was really going to make a mark, it would have been on a third term. So I don't know where you where you. For the first term, the staff, they run the place. I got I got to be a threat to policy after the, well into the second term, where I had was able to get a few people on the board that were my, you know, compadres that I managed to uh, talk to a few people into maybe changing policy here and there. I became way more of a threat after the second term. So the idea that I was finished after two terms, which I was, I didn't get back in, in, in terms of policy making, I was just getting started. And I have right. to believe in the, in the two terms in the House. And if you're working on the agriculture bill, that's a five-year program, right? That bill, or if you're doing the uh, communications bill or something like that, there's a lot of stuff that takes more than two years even to do. So I don't know that Senate, yeah, I could say maybe you know, 12 years is kind of a long time. Two terms, maybe surely three. But the House, I'm not so sure that two terms and out. I think you just find out where the men's room is after two two terms. 
I mean, I guess I don't know because I've never been there. But you could do a longer range in the house. For a minute, I'd like to go back to what started us down this rabbit hole. Yep. Um, and and that really is, you know, about we, you were asking about the numbers and, and what do we know from numbers and what is it telling us about reception, uh, recession and so on. One of the problems that we have is that, and especially this, I, I think this is a huge media problem, uh, is that nobody know we've lost sight of the difference between data and information and you know data is that's the raw numbers we saw this through that whole COVID experience um where you know as long as they could throw out numbers we were you know we had big scary numbers and we could use that to justify any policy much like we do use a lot of data to justify policies uh, related to economics when in reality what you have to do is you have to organize it you have to put it in time series you have to you know uh, take a deeper dive into certain parts of it similar to what you do you know for for at least a few minutes every time we get Get the jobs report and you're sitting with Carl and you know Carl's got a lot of uh, um, you know the ability to just load this into his spreadsheet and he already knows the questions he wants to ask and the things the places he wants to look but meanwhile you have uh, you know media reporting hey we created X number of jobs they don't talk about how many people are sitting it out that uh, not very often anyway they don't talk about uh, you know what what the difference is between um, you know, adjusted and unadjusted are telling you they don't, you know, none of that is part of the uh, equation. And as long as we don't do that, as long as we don't start churning this and trying to turn the data itself into some usable information, we're going to be stuck with uh, ideological policy making because now I can make the data say whatever I need it to say. Well, we're, we're into that for sure. I, uh, and I, I would say that nobody. I don't. I don't really understand it myself, and I mean, how it goes back and forth. I mean, I have a little bit of an idea. The influx between the the unemployment number and the amount of people that are in the column that we don't know what they're doing, the interplay in those two columns, nobody ever explains that. And yet, we got 3.5 million people in the unemployed column that people talk about all day long. We got 95 million people, or 99 million people in the other column. Nobody even nobody even addresses that column. I remember. I don't know if it was you, Mike, or the other Murphy, Dave, our first economics class as a sophomore walking in the first class I remember the guy saying the worst economic number in the world is unemployment rate it basically is lousy and here's why and here it is what we got we were 50 years later and we're still talking about it and it's still a crummy number right well it doesn't like Kevin says you know the difference between data and information employment numbers even if they weren't skewed you know the way they have been for a long time wouldn't tell the whole story about what people can do with a job, the type of job that they're qualified for, that they can hang on to for any length of time. And this is what we were talking about a little while mm-hmm. ago. You, you you don't have any kind of assurance that you can afford, you know, a decent place, let alone have a car that's drivable. And assuming you need that for a job, lots of jobs require it. Um, the insurance rates, everything has gone through the roof. Look at life expectancy. There's no way to measure that in. Uh, you know, an unemployment number when people are living shorter lives now and struggling to keep up all the way to the to the finish line in the process. Uh, there's no number or, or nothing that the government publishes that tells you anything about the, the discomfort level people experience now, even with a job. Well, John, after uh, after break, 
Maybe we'll ask Mike if he wants to hang around. Kevin, we'll talk to you on, on Wednesday and Friday. Uh, by the way, have you, have you watched the Cubs just in a 14-inning game? Uh, I had it on. I, actually, I was I was working, so I, I, I had it on in as my background. And, yes, I was um, paying it close attention. Or well, I listened not, to the news last not night. Not really close attention along the way, but I was paying attention. Well, I listened to the news last night and this morning and just, just how the news can be. For those that don't know, the one the winning run was was blocked in by Elzelai. And uh, and the, and all the news talked about is him blocking the guy in. What he, what they forgot to say is two pitches later, the guy hit the wall with the ball, so he'd have been in anyway, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I mean, I guess, but uh, it was an interesting game. The the, uh, the guys who decided to put the man on second base, I think what they call the man, the which is a term I love, um, named after the commissioner Rod uh, Manfred. It's the Manfred man. Okay. Well, they were calling him a courtesy runner yesterday. Pat Hughes. Cur- they call him a courtesy runner. They call it the ghost runner. But the Manfred man is like the best term ever. But we also know that's not really a courtesy runner. A courtesy runner is if I get a hit at first base and manage to make it to first, and I'm, I'm older, limping, somebody gets to run for me. That's a courtesy runner. Yeah, no. It, it, it done properly in Chicago softball, the fast guy gets to run for you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, we, we played we played Oak Lawn, and I didn't. You know, you don't want to be before the game even starts. You don't want to be an ass, right? So we're playing this one team, and they had all these really good hitters, and like like four or five guys needed courtesy runners, and of course the other five guys are greyhounds, right? And I go, you know, anybody who's hurt, I'm with you. I said, anybody who's slow, no. <laughs> the other captain looks at me like we almost had a we almost broke out into a brawl before the game even started. Said to the ump, if you're slow, you run. If you're hurt, you don't. And they don't have five guys. You're not playing center field and need a courtesy runner. Sorry, it was not a, you know, just 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 saying, you know, whatever. Anyway, SP Futures up four or seven. Nasdaq Futures down seven. So we're mixed here, mis- mixed here to nothing. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right here. Hello, right Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up seven. Nancy Futures down six. Uh, we still got our guys. We have uh, Mike and we've got Chan, right? Yep. 
Yes, what, sir. Uh, Mike, I'm going to ask Jan a question here, and uh, you can certainly opine in. Uh, Jan, what do you think the, you know, this has been always been a theme of mine. Of course, everybody tells me I'm cuckoo as usual, but I think the 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 preponderance of go, of uh, student debt has, I don't know what term should I use here. I don't want to use the term in, in, enslaved because that's not that's not the right term. Uh, is sort of if you get a job with you know that you're covering your student debt and you're able to get an apartment and you've got the girlfriend or the wife or whatever, I think it it totally prohibits you of any sort of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial activity and really to a large extent any kind of uh, political activity in a sense where you want to support somebody or, do, or don't. You're, I think you're so afraid of losing that job. I mean, when I when I left uh, when I left grad school, and I don't know, this is I'm the well, you guys know me for how many years. I I don't really care if I'm rich, but I don't want to be in a situation where anybody has control over me. <laughs> Obviously, in the business I'm in, the regulators regulators have all kinds of control over you, which pisses the hell out of me. But uh, I always wanted the ability to say basically the song, take this job and shove it and walk out. And I I don't think. If I had a quarter million dollars worth of student loan debt hanging over me, I don't see how I could be my own person. I mean, it, I mean, I think the, we really are lacking thirty-year-old entrepreneurs, guys that are willing to just start up a business. Especially now, it seems like we need a few. I don't, I don't know that young people can do that with this debt hanging over their shoulder. I mean, other than just being, you know, having debt, I think it's it's caused a big problem in the economy. Am I just totally nuts on this, or just showing my no, own entrepreneurial? No, I don't. I don't think you're nuts at all, Tom. And, and you know, I, I was thinking about this. This whole, you know, the debt kind of track that people are on, even before they get to college. Um, you know, I, I just got a letter from my high school, you know, fundraising letter from Mount Carmel, my alma mater, um, saying that you know the tuition is now fourteen thousand per student. But the real cost of the education is seventeen thousand, and they're asking you know donors to sort of make up that difference. Um, so even before somebody gets to college today, if you've been in a family that values education and doesn't trust the public school system to give it to you, which you know, I think that's a lot of people these days, uh, you're way you know stressed out before your child ever goes to college. Um, you know your your finances, if not being depleted, um, your 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 cushion against emergencies, I think, it's greatly reduced. There's not too much you can do about high school tuition. You, you don't take out loans for that. Well, I didn't bet people are. I bet people are putting it on credit cards. No, yeah, absolutely. But but this is something that you know it precedes the, the whole college mess, and you've now got a, a class of people who. They have to forestall not just being entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, but you know, getting married and having a house and having a car and raising a family. These are things, you know, they're going to be looking back on. Maybe I should have done this sooner, whatever else. But but the the, the debt chain that they're in has pretty much determined that they're going to have to defer a lot of these decisions. You know, the people used to be able to make right out of the box. You didn't have a huge bill following you in your twenties. Or your early 30s to go out and do something else with whatever savings you had. What kind of savings do people have now? What kind of energy do they have to go out and seek investors and everything else? You know, by the time they're 40 or 50, they've lost that kind of mojo. Oh yeah, yeah. And, what was you know, your I, I just what was your tuition first year at Mount Carmel? 
as I recall, it was um, 450 or 550, and my my twin brother went for half. Price. Yeah, if you had another kid, you went half. Was yeah for like for the, for the first year they changed it, then it went full freight after that, but it, was, it never hit a thousand dollars. I think Marist grade school tuition was grade school was a, was a hundred dollars per child. Well, at St. John Fisher, it was something like that, and the second kid was like 75, then 50, and anybody after that was free. But, you know, my, my parents had no interest in sending their kids to Chicago public schools. They didn't go to the public schools themselves, and they knew, you know, there were good public schools in Chicago even then, you know, when I was growing up, but we didn't live in those districts, and my parents had no interest in you know, just sending a kid off to that school and expecting them to come out with any kind of skills that they were happy to pay the money to the Catholic schools to get to get a decent education. But but that's harder for people now too. I think Maris was Much like two thirty five or something because they were just getting started and Ignatius was probably a thousand. Mike, what'd you get what'd you pay in Cleveland? I think uh, I started at Ignatius for three hundred a year. because I was able to pay for it with my paper out earnings. Yeah, what well, was uh is Ignatius in Cleveland is that Jesuit too? Yes. Oh, yeah. All the, you know, Ignatius Loyola, all of those are, uh, and any Loyola is also a Jesuit school, usually, I think. Right, because it's a, uh, I, I, I think this is debt load. It, it changes people's lives. It changes your perspective. And right now, I mean, when we bring this stuff back, I I always get some uh, some good thoughts on, on Sunday. Uh, family meets at my, my brother's, which is kind of a tradition from way back. But my nephew is in the, uh, uh, metalworking business I guess for lack of a better term and he's pretty good on these machines that you program them and all this stuff and they, now they're doing as, as people are getting more and more business here in that area and some of it's back from China some of it just is parts wearing out in a lot of these places big companies I mean uh, or they'll redo a big part or an assembly line or a conveyor or something and uh, that business is it, it's not crazed like it was six months ago but it's it's still very solid and he tells me that just about all these guys, you know, there aren't a whole lot of them around, but they're all looking, f- they're all making investments in their place. And for the, this has to be the first time, guys, in, John, what would you say, 50 years in Chicago? Oh, yeah. I mean, to where they're actually looking maybe to double the size of their plant. They're, even though business is not crazed, it's enough to where they're hiring a couple people or not hiring a couple people. And his name's Tim. I said, Tim, you have to take the mentality that, even if business is going to be good for two years, and if it all blows apart again, which we hope it doesn't, you're still way better off having somebody having a good job for two years. And if you have to go to, you know, two days a week or three days a week for after that, you're still a step ahead. I mean, just get somebody going today if you can, if you got the work. I mean, that's my opinion. I mean, let's go for it. Okay, that's the trader mentality, I know. But um, there is there is some growth here beneath but a lot of it is just maintenance. I mean, uh, the uh, they did some work for uh, Tootsie Roll. Now, if you guys uh, know anything about the Tootsie Roll out of Ford City, I'd love to go look after what he told me. I'd love to go see that plant. He goes, I don't know. They bring it. They is it a a million pieces of candy a week or some incredible thing? <laughs> it's the only plant in the world for Tootsie Roll. <laughs> he said. He said this stuff was all designed in Germany or someplace in the seventies and now. They're having to re- remake parts, and these guys are helping them. There's a couple other places that are making parts for for these guys. He said, Owens Corning cannot keep up with the demand for insulation and roofing stuff now because people didn't do anything during the COVID, evidently. 
Because there, there's pockets of really serious business going on. And all these guys are looking for, Corning's looking to double the size of their plant here. Um, so, I mean, it, it's not like all is, all is bad. I mean, a lot of it's, I don't know how you, how do you determine whether it's all just catch up in two years from now, you're back where you were. How would you make that call, John or, or Mike? I don't, I don't know, Tom. I'd, it'd be really hard to get reliable data. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the feeling that from what we've been talking about, and this is, this is kind of weird, uh, up in Michigan where I, where I bought my truck, which now is getting a little long in the tooth, it was in uh, Grand Rapids. I don't know if any one of you guys been there to uh, Grand oh, Rapids. Yeah, beautiful yeah. place. Anyway, I drive up there, and uh, all of a sudden, this is six years ago, say, I drive around, and, uh, and there was a, a you know a band, some festival on the main drag when I went to pick the thing up, so I had to go through the neighborhoods. And uh, driving on the black, I'm doing my usual observant stuff, and I could see every, all these houses... The lawn looked great, um, all clean, everything. But then you looked and you see they're past the time where they needed a new roof. You know, some of the windows looked a little shabby, even though they're all painted. But so I'm sitting there going, okay, there's there's a story here. So I went to pick it up on a Saturday, and the guy's usually closed on a Saturday. But I'm going to say, if you ever want to know everything that's going on in the neighborhood, talk to the used car guy. He knows everything. <laughs> I mean, and I said, okay, his name was Bob. It's Bob. We had nothing doing on Saturday morning. I brought us both a cup of coffee. I already bought the car. What's going on here? And he goes, Tom, here's the deal. He goes, everybody is now has a job. Uh, he says, everybody was making 28 30 bucks an hour in the, in the office furniture business. Everybody got laid off. Places left. And over two years since then, two, two and a half, everybody has got a job again. But now they're 15 to 22 an hour. Because you know, pretty much everybody wants to work and get a job, which is what we talked about earlier in the show. He goes, but it's not the same. He says, that's why. He goes, did you drive down the side streets? I go, yeah. He goes, I bet you noticed houses are nice, but everybody needs a new roof. And I go, yeah. He goes, well, I can tell here. The guy used to buy a used car that was two years old, now I'm buying one five years old. He goes, it's, it's, not, it's not the same, even though are they, are they working? Do they have a job? Yes. But they're not the same as they were. Two years ago, when you're when you're making thirty, now you're making eighteen, and uh, I think we're seeing a lot of that with these job numbers. Uh, just saying, but it, but it also makes how do you how do you become an entrepreneur when you can't even make ends meet? I mean, you can go home yeah, and t- you know I don't know how yeah. you. This is this going to be a more of a sexist comment, but it isn't. I mean, how do you how do you go home and tell the wife you just quit your job because you're starting a hot dog stand or whatever it is, a metalworking company, when you got a quarter million dollars of student loan debt? And, oh, by the way, you get credit card bills. I mean, you're going to get a frying pan upside the head. Maybe legitimately, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't, know how you, I don't know how you do that. You know, I mean, uh, and, and right now we could use a little entrepreneurship, could, shouldn't we? Could we? You don't see any of these. Anybody who's got a mind power restaurant, when the guy dies, uh, they close. The kids don't want it. Maybe they don't want the debt. Maybe they don't want the work. I don't know, but it's... Uh, I mean, what are you seeing out? In, in, you're in a smaller town, Mike, but you got a college town going, so you've got that strength always. I mean, Columbus is always going to be Columbus, Ohio, between the city, state capital, and Ohio State. I can't imagine a major recession there. But uh, is your town the same way? Well, Charlottesville's okay, Tom, but we have no real manufacturing jobs. The city seems to discourage that. 
and it's just what you were saying about uh, restaurants. Restaurants are hard work, and if you know, well, COVID essentially hit the restaurant business hard. They're just finally starting to reopen again. We actually have a pretty good uh, uh, beer and wine business in this area because of we have so many home breweries or the microbreweries and then a lot of vineyards that uh, do very well in this part of the uh, because we get people from DC down on the weekends and and things like that so the, the, the area is doing okay I think uh, so you know we're uh, we're making some progress I think but the city of Charlottesville because of its administration is is doing poorly because their taxation rate is high and uh, they, and they don't do a good job of policing. Well, you guys have you're not having the same kind of crime problems we are here in. And no, no, it's nowhere near Chicago, but it, we are seeing uh, more and more shootings, and you know some uh, probably more crime than they've had in more than uh, 10, 15 years. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's the shooting stuff. These people go in and the mall and start blasting people. You, you really wonder the well, last five years. You know, I just I don't see the need for any average American to have an assault weapon. I, I, I don't either. That, that baffles me why we need assault weapons on the street. And I don't care about the NRA and all that stuff. You know, the, the Founding Fathers talked about a militia. And, you know, these people that have weapons certainly aren't a militia, or they're like a Waco-type militia where they're just nuts. Well, I, I was at the, uh, you know, I, did, I took my concealed carry class, but I still haven't, haven't sent in for a permit. I just wanted to learn what everybody else was learning. And by the way, it was a very informative couple of days, because I don't, I mean, obviously Mike was in the Army, so he knows a lot about guns. I don't. And uh, I was stunned, Mike, that they, evidently, this is how screwy it is, you're, you're, uh, what do you call the thing that goes into the bottom of the automatic that holds the bullets, the cartridge? Yeah, the the wep- or the magazine. The magazine. Well, you can have uh, an eight an eight shot magazine, or you can have ones where they they double up, right? You get sixteen of them in there. They double up on the in the magazine, and uh, again, this is it was a while since I took it. Well, in the, in Cook County, the the state one of them is legal and one of them isn't, and the other one, the state, it's the other way around. So. Theoretically, in Chicago, if you get pulled over and you've got a 16-shot magazine in your automatic weapon, I mean, that's that's a crime. I kind of believe nobody's ever once been charged with that. But right, but, I kind of doubt it, too. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that, that you know, eight, eight would be enough? I mean, I, you know, I'm just the thought I would need 16 never even would cross. Well, i got to be like a – but it's it's what, – what's when the, the rules of, uh, of gun ownership or just being around a gun is – Assume every gun is loaded until you check it out, right? And never point at anybody no matter what. And the third is, if you ever shoot it, don't just worry about the person you're shooting at. Look at the background. I mean, if there's people in the background, don't assume you're going to hit the guy, right? You're going to hit somebody else. Right. Well, that's, you know, and that's problem. That's the problem with all these drive-by shootings. Yeah. You know, all the collateral damage. Well, I guess and the it, next question an is... assault weapon has, you know, a 30 or 40 round magazine. So, you know, that's 30 or 40 rounds. It can do a heck of a lot of damage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, are these... when you, are they're, they're, not, they're not the same 
rifle you would have in the army, though, are they? Those, those are automatic. Yes, these the, are the AR-15 is an M16, and the when we use an M16, it came with a 30-round car or magazine. And so the AR-15 probably has 30, at least 30 rounds in the magazine. Uh, and then they have this, those sophisticated magazines that they can get it going even faster. But your, yours, and the, when I say yours, the Army ones are automatic. These, these are not supposed to be, correct? Yeah, but I think that they can be easily modified to become automatics. That, that's swell, isn't it? Yeah, right. That's uh, <laughs> Well, one of... Uh, one of my friends, who's now deceased, by the way, ordered one of these things up, and I, you know, I held it right out of the package. I can't believe how light they are. Right, they're not very heavy at all. Well, you have to make them so that people can carry them for a long amount of time. I mean, it's it's. I don't think it's any any heavier than a shotgun. I mean, I think it's lighter. Oh, it's lighter than a shotgun, and it doesn't have the kick that a shotgun has. I mean, isn't the whole thing plastic except for the barrel? Just about. Now, is it M- what's the difference between an AR-15 and an M-16? It's the same thing. It's just a difference in nomenclature. I thought the AR-15 was made in Russia or Europe or someplace. They're not they're made here? Oh, that's an AK-47. You're mixing up. Oh, okay, all right. See, I don't know. I don't know. John, John, you're an expert on this, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning, though. Keep, keep talking, everybody. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, what you, I guess um, as we move forward here with this debt debate, what do you? I mean, there, there's reasons why I understand both the Republicans and when it happens with the Democrats. As Carl says, I don't know if you guys, John's probably listening enough, but when when you when you put a, I mean, most people would say, "Hey, you idiots all voted for these laws, and the fact that they're adding up to these numbers shouldn't be a shock." Um, why why do we have to re go? You know, re take another bite out of the apple here. But according to Carl, when these when these things go to the Congressional Budget Office, and if, if a a law has a, like a five or ten year sunset, the Congressional Budget Office has has to by law assume when they go out ten years or five years or whatever that the law is being followed and and that expenditure is no longer being made. However, routinely they get they get extended, so. It, it it could easily happen, and I'm not taking the Republican side here or the Democrat side when they did it when the Republicans were in office. It could easily happen that the shock of the of the amount of how much you're borrowing is actually greater than all the stuff you think you voted for, just on the math side of it. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but say, say you do. Does that mean that every time there's a budget a, a debt exten- extension, everything should be fair game again or should rational people just get together and say hey we thought we were voting for you know 30 trillion dollar deficit by this time it looks to me like it's 33 what are we going to do uh which would make which, which would be a normal conversation among rational people which you don't seem to be have I mean, where, where do you guys land on this but there's been so much horse trading by both parties over the years tom to get votes for stuff promising well this has a sunset provision or this is just a temporary fix it's going to go away in five years. You'll never know the difference after it goes away. It, 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 this is you know, a time-honored way of getting a vote when you need it. And, of course, by the time the, the thing gets extended, if it gets extended even with a vote, or if it isn't just some you know, sleight of hand that makes it happen, um, this number has gone just 
been blown completely out of the water, nobody would have gone along with it had they known the true price of the thing. But there's never any price paid by anybody for having, you know, bait, baited and switched somebody for, for a vote. And as you say, this is this is routine now, where you know, it's it's bad enough that you got these things that are 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 not affordable over the long haul, and they become you know long haul expenses, and then you're dreaming up other stuff, you know, that you want like you know open borders, but you don't want to allocate any money to the cities that are going to have to deal with them at the you know the destination end of it. All of that has expenses that nobody you know was told about, or that you know nobody really understood. When they voted for whatever provision they thought was going to be humanitarian victory, um, all of this stuff has so many costs associated with it um, that there's no way any of it is going to get paid for, and, and it's never going to be done right. And yet we're going to keep doing it bad, you know, till the cows come home. So uh, I can see why there's so so much acrimony now, where we got to have some spending cuts because things have just gotten so reckless you know, in the last three years with just throwing money at everything, you know, creation, uh, with very little to show for it. Well, yeah, um, Trump the, put through a tax cut telling everybody that it's actually going to be more money to the federal government, which was total horse bleep from day one. So that's a problem. And now since then, there's been all these spending plans that allegedly are going to do so much for productivity, it's going to increase the taxes, which is total horse bleep. So you've got what, four or five major bills in a row in the last five years that have all been horse bleep, but guess what? We're broke. Right? Well, look what's happen- happening over at South Shore High School, Tom, where the neighbors are up in arms because this vacant school building is going to be dedicated to house, you know, people are being flown in from, you know, the border, um, and the, the neighbors don't want this, but they they voted for Lori Lightfoot, they, they voted for Joe Biden, and they can't be surprised that any of this stuff is happening somewhere. They don't want it in their, you know, not in my backyard mentality. By the way, which fight broke out in the gym after somebody took the the build the wall sign that was, (laughs) somebody ripped it up, and then a fight broke out and the cops had to get in between them? By the way, which, uh, as a guy who spent two summers as a janitor, actually by that time I was a custodian at South Shore High School, the old building is now closed. The new building has yeah. got to be open, right? The new building of the air I think the new building, yeah, the old building, which is replaced in the 70s, I think, or the late 60s. I'm not sure when. Um, but it's the, the it's never been demolished, and I don't think it's, well, it's well, it was used they at were, all. They were using both of them when I was there. They, they might have, like, different campuses of them. They weren't that well, far. No, apart, it's right across the street. Yeah. But I mean, in the summertime, the only one was being used the one that was air-conditioned. But the other one right, was still the, going strong. Is, it's just you know, another unfunded mandate, um, you know, that, you know, and, and the people who are even going to pay the price for it, the people living in this neighborhood aren't getting anything put up with this. Well, I mean, I don't, but, but then, grief. so everybody has to be someplace. And I don't, you know, I, I, I heard both of those stories this weekend. I was talking about this store in Englewood, the one that replaced the, was it Whole Foods? Um, yeah, Whole Foods sh- shut down and now Save-A-Lot is going to. No, Save-A-Lot goes, they still have the same people, the community organizers, saying they don't want the store there. You know, I, I, what, what is wrong with this picture? Who are you? If a guy wants to open up a store and, he, and he's not breaking any law and he's not being a jerk about it, don't shop there. What, what, why, do, why do you get to say what it is? I mean, who are you? You're, you're not elected. You're not anointed. You're not, you're not the parish pre- Who the hell are you to say? I mean, I guess if, if uh, we want to put we, 500 people in this, school because there's showers and there's a cafeteria and stuff they haven't hurt anybody yet 
I mean, the neighborhood's not the best. I mean, how does everybody get to be just because you got a big mouth? How does that make you mayor now? I mean, what what is? I don't, I don't think it should be my job to tell this guy not to open up a store. If I don't want to shop there, I won't shop there. Where's this entitlement coming from that I'm missing? Well, the, the entitlement, you know, the, the problem with the migrants, you know, coming in, that's that's a whole, you know, that's, that's a bigger problem than we have time to talk about. But nowhere in, in any of the discussion about making Chicago a sanctuary city or any place a sanctuary city was the true, it was was there ever a plan that would that in any way made, made this something that everybody would be in favor of down the road? There's no real attempt to decide, well, you know, how we're going to pay for this these people have no social services we're going to have to give them that they're going to have to they're going to swamp the public school system assuming they go to public schools uh they're going to swamp you know city services generally healthcare system everything else do we really have a price tag for what what we want these people to be able to have or is it just bring them here and we'll figure it out later uh, well i mean clearly seems to be i'm not I'm kind of surprised that, that south shore was picked because there's there are neighborhoods sort of around there but mike you can be the referee on this or the judge I'm going to say, if you came to town, I don't know if you'd want to do this, we could take the Rock Island South or the, uh, what's the other one that goes, Oak Lawn, either side. We could walk, we could go by, I'm going to say, two to three schools in the middle of absolute vacant land where the Taylor Homes used to be. We could put a thousand people there. Nobody, there, there, you could, you, there isn't a house within a mile in any direction. Two miles, maybe. Who the hell are we hurting, Jen? I mean, who exactly? Well, you're hurting the people who live here and can't afford a house or an apartment in a decent neighborhood. I think you're hurting them first of all. Well, I mean, there is there's there is some money. I would hope. Let's just say I hope we're getting some federal money. But if we are, but I mean, why why should somebody three miles away say I don't want any immigrants? You were an immigrant once. Relax. I mean, I, yeah, but you didn't. If you're an immigrant, you didn't. Back in the day. This didn't mean that there was a whole safety net that would give you a place to live and a, a debit card and a phone and everything else to survive. On. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, John, all. if we had the dough, you and I and Mike, we could run one of these things. And I'm going to say in two years, we would have a community everybody would want to move into. There's nothing there. We have, we have square miles in the city that are vacant. To think that we can't take a thousand people is so insane. I agree with you. How you do it makes, it makes all the difference in the world. Cultural issues. There is there a desire to assimilate no at all? It isn't like immigrants used to come here and want to be part of something that they wanted to get away from. I don't think there's a, a, a real fire in the belly for a lot of immigrants I, today. To keep I tell you what, I, my my money. Anybody who walks from El Salvador through Mexico and makes it here, my money's on them. Well, they're they're getting paid to do that, Tom. Come on. Well, I mean, everybody has this, this kind of bad view of this group. I, I, where I would use. They're being enslaved in labor situations that you or I would not tolerate. Right. Well, but but they're getting paid to do this, Tom. It isn't like they're they're freedom seekers or anything like that on their own. Somebody's engineered all this. Well, clearly, I, all and I the know. Government's, the government's back backing it up too. Well, the Irish got here because the English didn't want them. That was engineered too, and here we are. Right. Yeah, but as John just said, Tom, you know. The immigrants, today's immigrants, receive a whole slew of benefits that just didn't exist before, and there's no accountability for all of those different benefits that they are receiving. It's just automatic, and we cannot continue to to do this. But I, I, I 
at some level, you're, you're not, you're not going to, I'm not going to argue that a full open border is a, is a good idea. I mean, come on, you guys know me better than that. But I'm saying that the thought on a city that is losing thousands of people a year that we can't reload with some some of these people got to be pretty good people. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not going to willing to. We don't know if they are or not. Well, we're not we're not attracting them here. They're just being put here. How did how did how did uh how, how much how good of a guy was great grandpa Flanagan or great grandpa Howe? He might have been a scumbag too. How do we know? Well, they, but they were drawn here by the, the you know. They knew that if they became a citizen, they could get a better job than if they didn't become a citizen. So there was a tremendous I, I think they fled to become citizens. They fled and something to live above the radar, not under the radar. I think they fled the potato panic. Yeah, but they came here and they got railroad jobs and police jobs. Well, but, know, but there were jobs. There, there were jobs to get. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the guys that you know. Well, the first thing they did was was cut the INM trail, right, or the canal. Yeah, and they they wanted to do well by their kids they knew that you know this was a big step for them to take they did it voluntarily you know they were forced I, out of conditions that were reprehensible but they did it on their own they saved up the money somebody in the made in town saved up the money for them to get passage money well here's where they i would start i stopped giving i stopped giving out. money to these people in central america these governments we've been paying them money for years but obviously they're not doing very well if their people can't wait to walk out of there no but they have no destination planned ahead of time, Tom, and they're leaving it to cities like Chicago that don't know their ass from a hole in the ground to decide where to put them. Well, I, my, 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 my heart is that it, what would it take for us to like walk walk to the border to get into Mexico? Things would be pretty bad here. Well, depending on what they're getting paid to do it, it might not be any struggle at all. How much would we have to pay Mike to walk to Mexico? You have to pay me a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, well, how long well there's a lot of people walking across the border who are from China, Tom. How'd they get here? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know how that and all Haiti works. Haiti and... Somebody uh, paid them. You know, Somebody Venezuela and all that other... All the other uh, <laughs> Central American and South South American countries. Well, I don't... We could... We could uh, by the way, you guys know more about this than me, but I I was... Uh, who the hell? I was in some... I won't say a, a, a bar. I'll say a library. And guys were on this subject. <laughs> I said, I go, guys, you know, there's... With all these wars and all this stuff going on... What's the number? Isn't Mike? You probably know this better. Aren't there like six or seven million people that can't live at their home anymore? And we're and we're perfectly happy to have two million in Hungary. How, how many? How many are in? Uh, who's next to Syria? Who's that? That guy should win a peace prize every year. Uh, is it Lebanon? How many? How many Lebanon and Turkey. Have yeah, how, how many? Le- how many refugees. refugees are in Lebanon? It's more than their population, isn't it? It's pretty substantial. You're right about that. Mike, thank you very much, buddy. John, you want to hang around right. for Audrey a little bit? You can fight with her a little bit? I, I'd, I'd like to, Tom, but I have a doctor's appointment i got to head out to right away. So, All right, bud. Well, well good luck with that. To Audrey. Mike, if you want to hang around and talk to Audrey about real estate, feel free. Uh, SP Futures up 8, and SF Futures down 7, so we got nothing going this morning. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 8 and the SP Futures down 11, so we're kind of mixed. Dow Futures up 95. We've got uh, Goldman Sachs up 3 bucks. That's a part of it. we got uh, Chevron. Texaco up a buck seventy four as well. It's actually uh, really a little bit here today for the first time in really quite a while. Uh, over in Asia, we've got the uh, the Nikkei uh, down two hundred eight. That's 07 percent. The Hang Seng. Now these guys, uh, uh, Hang Seng was closed most of last week. I think they were open on Friday. Uh, they're up two forty seven, one point two percent. Shanghai, uh, which was closed again most of last week. I think they opened up. On, they opened up on Friday as well. They're up sixty one point eight percent. So they're doing some serious catch up. Over in Europe. We got the DAX. They're open, up 30 points, 0.2 percent. The FTSE is not open. Kekron uh, is open. They're up 22 uh, at 0.3 percent. So we've got people that are not open these days. But uh, today, well, those are the ones that are and aren't. Uh, the U.S. 10-year uh, up five basis points, 3.49, almost back to three and a half. Bund up four basis points, 2.32. Japan unchanged at 0.43. Friday, big, big rally. Dow was up 5.46. S&P futures were S&Ps, not futures, were up 75. NASDAQ was up 269. Oil, up a dollar 94. That's why you see Chevron Texaco doing its own. It's almost 3%. 73.28, Brent up a buck 77, 77.07. Natural gas up 7 cents, 221. Arbob up 3 cents, 241. And we've got gold up 630, 2031. We got silver actually down a dime, 25.83. Copper up 4 cents, 393, under 4 bucks. We've got Bitcoin down to almost 1200 bucks now, 1119, 27,836. It's almost a 4% move. Uh, and we've got the US dollar uh, down a little bit again today. Is, is the euro not so much with the euro, 110 where it's been for a while. But the pound's up to 126. That's a high we've seen, almost 127. Haven't seen it up there in a while. Greg, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? 738 here, Central. 
Chicago 47 degrees, highs 61, rain tapering into showers this morning. Uh, spring, high tree pollen counts today, so watch out allergy sufferers. Phoenix, 64 degrees, high of 93, real feel of almost 100, sunny skies today. Um, traffic, inbound Kennedy to O'Hare, uh, to the interchange, 32 minutes, outbound is 20 minutes. Inbound, Edens to Lake Cook, and interchange, 27 minutes, outbound, 24 minutes. Uh, inbound and outbound, Stevenson, 294 to Dan Ryan, are both 20 minutes. Dan Ryan from 95th to the interchange is 17 minutes inbound, 12 minutes outbound, and the Stevenson 294 to Dan Ryan is 20 inbound and 21 outbound. Sports, we got Marlins beating the Cubs at Wrigley 5-4. White Sox beat the Reds 17-4 in Cincy. Big win. The Reds are kind of hapless. But yeah. We have Audrey and we still have Mike. We've got both, but we do have a little bit of Arizona too. Nationals okay. beat the Diamondbacks 9-8, and that's all I got for you. The uh, some pretty good basketball games too. Uh, Celtics are having some trouble with the Sixers. Oops. Yeah. Well, they're uh, two and two. Uh, hey, Odd, how are you? Hi. Good morning. Morning. Uh, I was going to ask you guys. Uh, we talked earlier, Odd. We've, we've been talking about this debt ceiling, and so forth, and of course, I you know every time it seems, Mike, they go to the end, and maybe we do it about a week, and then they figure out something. And everybody kind of is assuming that probably in the in the trading world, uh, and actually, there's people that, if there's a recession, I think they think the Fed's going to pour money back into the place where the market could actually go up during a recession, like it did during COVID. I don't know if you can comment on that, but my question, because Odd's real estate uh, lady, and uh, and you, you know, watch this and listen. I've had a, a bunch of guys, well, several of my clients call and say, are you know they're up already. I mean, we've been kind of long it for a while, thank God. But uh, uh, the gold and silver stuff. Is is there a home and alternative investments being either real estate or metals or some of the stuff that Greg trades, the soybeans and the can you flee the market into other investments or you just if you think the market's going down, do you just flee the market or do you assume the Fed is gonna put enough money into you don't have to worry about fleeing the market? I mean is right now is I mean I get these calls and I tell you what, <laughs> Mike, you know what I, I I'm not so sure I know the answers. I've because uh, it's not all that obvious. Uh, why don't you go first? Do you think the commercial real estate in a lot of areas is totally on its ass? Strip malls and things like that. The stuff you're doing, you know, some of the six flats and the two flats are probably, I'll let you talk, but those seem to be okay investments. Is it, would you say that they're they're good alternatives to quote the market now? And, and Greg and Mike, you guys will pine in on what you think about metals and other stuff. Why don't you go first? Oh, well, I think that it used to be. As you say, fairly cut tried, but I think the last recession in 08 proved that there there is a possibility of no safe harbor. Before, if the stock market wasn't good, the real estate market was good, the bond market was good, there was no place to hide in 2008. I think we're looking at a much different scenario so far, depending how much the Fed may screw this up. But uh, I don't know. Well, we're all so close to. that time, what do they say? Sell it to May and go away, as far as markets concerned. And a lot of times, that's proven to be a true uh, little truism over the years. But it's uh, difficult, I think, to to pick something right now and to watch, to watch this market. A lot of times, to me, it feels like it's artificially being moved along in a certain direction. Just if you sit and watch the watch the ticker, watch the trade, I just don't know how solid it is. Uh, to your point about real estate, 
good thing about real estate is I believe Mark Twain said, you know, buy land, they aren't making any more of it. And if you're in um, an area that's doing well, you know, um, people who bought houses in the last seven or eight years have done extraordinarily well, of course, as has the stock market. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a really tough call, but if I was, uh, if I was heavily invested in the market, I'd be uh, pretty darn sure I have my uh, downside uh, protection hedged out with some options, because when it goes, I believe it's going to go really fast. And it does. <laughs> it does all the time. And uh, traditionally, this is around that time of year. It gets a little unsettled. But as far as the real estate market goes, it is still booming where I'm at. And again, problems still, as we discussed, them. Uh, it's low inventory. And, you know, at this point in time, housing really literally is at an all-time uh, high for the, the year right now in my area. Yeah, it's, uh, Mike, what do you think? I don't know. I'll say that the hard part on my end, when you give this kind of, is, is you're a trader, two things, well, traders know, know two things that maybe regular people don't know as much of. The one thing is don't ever remember what you paid for something. It doesn't matter. You either want to keep it or you don't. And the current price is the current price. Whether you bought IBM at $0.05 cents or $5 zillion, the fact is, it, you know, it, it's it's trading at one one twenty three ninety five. You either want it there or you don't. Um, so I'm, Mike, always more influenced in, in price. And when you make a market in something, you know, I, I love your tie. I'll give you 50 bucks for it. But guess what? If somebody wants to pay me 100 it's theirs. So I, when people ask me about, like, gold or silver, I look at gold and I see it. Gee, I, I loved gold for two and a half years. I mean, I was way early. I loved it at 1850. Now it's run to 2030 on its way to maybe 2050, maybe 2100. But I can't be as bullish on it here as I was at 1850. I'm like... Maybe it's got some more room to run, and maybe if there's some worldwide calamity, it could go to 22 or 2300. But I'm not as bullish here. I'm sure Audrey's not as bullish on houses as she would have been three years ago at that price. Mike, what do you make of this? You're kind of on the outside, sort of looking in, and we'll get Greg's opinion as a as a commodities trader. We still got Mike. We got Mike. Where you at, Mike? Oh, I can go first. All right, you go first. Yeah. So. No matter what you have, if, if it's income-producing, that's going to hopefully do a little bit better than something that's not income-producing. How much is you know really really what's in your comfort zone? Um, and also the big consideration you should, or at least I would have, would be how much cash do you have on hand? Meaning, uh, say, for example, someone like Berkshire has their annual meeting over the, the weekend, and they say, well, we're worth, you know, the market says we're worth $700 billion, and they've got... 130 something of that in cash equivalents so that taking it down to a personal or an individual business level you know they're worth 700 billion the market thinks so and and really uh it's not 700 they've got cash equivalents of 130 so you know those those ratios uh, are very important in terms of margins of safety what but you are you at this point i mean greg has been sending all of us a lot of things around about how much an average farmer made last year and how much they're looking to make this year and last year was like quarter mil and this year it's like 60 grand do, do you think a farm That's property or, little, or farm or you know uh corn futures you think next year we're going to see you know a big spike up again or no I, w- I would think that it all comes down to what's your cash to uh total total uh net worth or total business value 
So having that uh, cushion or lack of cushion is going to say a lot more on how you're going to do rather than the individual allocations itself. Because if you buy something that you expect a return on, um, that's going to... Well, reading between your lines is what you're saying. In case there's a buy the next year, you want to have some liquid capital to go for it. Yeah, that, that ratio it goes back to you want to buy stuff that produces uh, income, obviously. If you can't do that, you want it to be safe somewhere in cash equivalents. Or uh, A lot of people think gold is a currency, so something like gold. So you want to have that ammo in case you do get those uh, opportunities to beat inflation, meaning whatever you think inflation is times a certain multiple. And, and it goes back to those ratios. And well, you've, you been those s- you've been saying that the guys... Uh, wanting to buy buy and remodel houses have have slowed down at these prices. Is that still going? Oh, the, because your obviously your profit margin has narrowed dramatically, and the competition is so fierce uh, that it's you know it it's it slowed them down because there's just not as much opportunity right now. What uh, what is what there's is, uh, everybody thinks it's easy? They hop in on it. So the people who are in early and you know, got their their stuff started, had a, a good business going. As the, the, during the recession, especially where there were so many foreclosures, short sales, that people were getting on, and this is the way to make some money. And, and the field became pretty crowded. People decided they liked doing that, and now again, competing for less product. Which is uh, going up uh, in price more, the price of the home or the price of the stuff? Do you have to put in it to remodel it? I think it's almost, if you're probably looking at ratios, I bet it's almost uh, even. Because well, if you go to the store and you know how I love fix things and uh, change things, that uh, it's amazing that even if you look at piece of, a piece of plywood, what that costs, I know several of my clients have said they're just not even uh, going to finish what they're rehabbing right now because lumber and everything has just been off the charts. Uh, so that has slowed it down too. I mean, it, between your time and the cost of increasing cost of products to renovate a home, you know, it really puts a crimp in a lot of things. Well, uh, do we, we must have lost Mike because I haven't heard him chirp in, but this brings up another <laughs> interesting story that we could talk about for like a week, Greg, is the price of lumber, because Greg will know this off the top of his head, the price of lumber totally spiked up like during the COVID and stuff, and now it's really come down to almost the same as it was before, right? Right. But I, I will... I will bet anybody a beer at our local place uh, that if you chart the price of two by fours and plywood at Home Depot, you'll find it totally spiked up and now has come down some, but it's still 25% higher than it was before COVID, even though the price of raw raw lumber has probably come down to where it's even. Yeah, and how you would do that, you'd say go to a website like barchart.com and then go to futures and maybe look at the softs, the softs meaning cotton, sugar, uh, cocoa, and then they, they've got the lumber contracts, and you can take a look at really uh, how far via the charts the the lumber has gone up and down, where I, it's not uh, double, or it hasn't come down by half, but you know, it's close. But uh, you know, I'm thinking to, uh, it's been a little stickier at your local Home Depot, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, just the same thing with uh, the uh, Arbob and everything moves around with our guests. Well, we used to. Kind of what was our uh, what was our spread? The spread between our Bob and what you paid it to pump, Greg, wasn't it? Or Audrey, or both? Uh, wasn't it? I'm going to say ninety five cents to a buck, right? Now it's what? It's almost two, isn't it? I know it's a 
Well, but, I mean, I, I, I just, it's normally around seventy cents. Well, in the in the burbs, uh, it's got to be more than seventy cents, Greg, because our taxes are ninety. You're so, right. I mean, it was, but the taxes just went to ninety. So you're you're more right than. Uh, but I'm going to say our Bob is two forty one, and I just paid yesterday out in uh, in Homer Glen. I paid four eleven. So where, where does that put you? That's a dollar seventy. Yeah. In the and city, we're still four eighty nine, right? So we're talking two forty. That's a lot. Right. I mean, it's, that's a real lot. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be the the people in the middle, the distribution group. It's like Greg does does some work in the restaurant industry. Uh, you know, I saw Greg at the uh, Myers yesterday. I was surprised. Is you know, Audrey and I go out every Saturday, and uh, you know, I keep chart of the prices. Not so much that I want to stare at the menu prices when I'm having a good time, but I you know I do it because of the show. And uh, the interesting, virtually anywhere now, the, the price of restaurant chow or drinks is goes up basically by the week. And yet, I saw a guy for the first time ever. I went to Myers yesterday, and we got these center cut pork. Roasts essentially, where if you if you cut those, Greg, obviously if you cut them right, you've got got a few. You got some tremendous yeah. boneless pork chops, right? If you cook it right. And I'm going to say this one, if uh, yeah, well, yeah, you got to cook it right. What's what you guys are good at? But you could have bought, I'm going to say four of these things. If they were like nine bucks a throw, say ten bucks a throw, and if you bought one, you got another one for a buck. There we go. So you could have got four of these things for say, you know, forty four dollars. No, no. Uh, for uh, we got a form for twenty-two dollars, and I'm going to say you could have had a special at your dinner, twenty-five hours for, you know, like three big, huge loin chops with spuds or something. Twenty-five hours. People thought it was a bargain. You could have probably made, probably made eight or nine of those for, for the twenty bucks. Right. You know, and that's what it comes down to. You know, the location, yeah. location, location. If your if your food costs, you say you want to be around thirty percent. Uh, the price of the the menu item is really going to tell you what the restaurant uh, is paying in rent and and uh, labor. Well, but I'm saying, but the dude behind me in line, I never saw this before. He uh, now I heard last night at my at my brother's that he might have been from a firehouse or someplace because if you cook in a firehouse, you don't pay taxes. You can let them know and they don't charge you. But this guy asked the people at Myers if they had the tax deal. I think he was from a restaurant. Uh oh. I think he was buying the stuff in there. I bet he got it a lot cheaper than he ever could from his pur- purveyor, and he was there looking for sales. And he, you know, for those that don't know, it's one of the reasons why Sam's Club is, uh, say, chasing Costco, because when Sam's Club first went up, it was like half for guys like you and me, Greg, and half for wholesale, right? I mean, all the, if you went there in the morning, I still have the card where I get it from 7 to 10 before it opens. If you go there at 8 o'clock, you get your pick. But, but not only that, but you're going to see guys hauling out, uh, like the, the, well, the convenience stores, like yeah. a night, whatever they are. They those the, guys do their the shopping carts, there. Not They're, the carts. What's it called? The flatbed. Yeah, a big flatbed will have you know 15 cases or 50 cases of coke and water and everything. That's where they buy this stuff. Well, they don't pay taxes, right, Greg? Right. Because they have they pay at the store. Um, anyway, so I think you know whatever whatever you can do on this stuff. But I don't I don't really see right now. Uh, oh, I, I don't think. I have to pile into gold here. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to, I'm going to leave my guys in gold for a while. But I got my puts snugged up pretty good in case it goes down. I don't know that I'm, I'm all that con- convinced it's going to go to 2200. I, same thing I feel about the market. We had a huge rally on Friday. All we did was make back kind of what we made lost the rest of the week. I, it seems like we're in this kind of range, Greg. And I, I'm not sure that I really need to buy soybeans here, or I got to buy anything like that either. 
you know, yeah, you always want to you always want to get something that um, you think's going up, but in the meantime, it's always good to have some income-producing stuff. Well, too. without a doubt, I would say, if anything, in the real estate, what what when are you gonna when are you gonna say it's time to buy some commercial office space or something? You know, you're not there yet either, are you? I'm not. I'm a long way from there. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I just. Uh, How about downtown? We got some buildings. Yeah, we got some oh, buildings down here. Yeah, that, there's a few. Yeah, well, sign me up for that. Well, without getting into it, we only okay. got a few minutes. Without getting into discussion about the new leadership in the city, if you you can, how can I say this without being accusatory? I probably can't. Well, well, you know what? The world is the world is just changing, and there's not as much need for office space. Period, and I don't see it come back. You're going to have to bulldoze part of this stuff, or uh, find another use for it. It'd be awful difficult to bulldoze a 100-story building. Well, I, the idea that everybody's going to—you're seeing some of these companies fighting back on the uh, work-from-home stuff. Anyway, but that's another whole story. But my point is, is I think the people in office have to understand that I don't think any of them have ever run a business in their life. You know, so and if you're talking about you have an accounting firm, a law firm. PTI, whoever it is, uh, you know, PTI Merrill Lynch. Notice how I put those in the same sentence on. Uh, yes. Um, the if I'm going to go into a place, they're going to want. Where's John when we need him? They're going to want a ten-year lease, right? I'd, at least if they're going to build out the place for me and everything, right? Now, do I want it? Maybe fifteen. Well, I, I think I, they're going to take what they can get nowadays. Well, I get it, but I mean, if you're talking about a million-dollar build-out, nobody's going to do that for a one-year lease. I mean, nobody's that oh, stupid. No. So I'm saying if, if I come in here and say PTI buys five other firms and we decide we want to be on LaSalle Street forever because we want the address, and we go to the, the Board of Trade building, the old Board of Trade building, you go in there, I don't know that I can give somebody a 15-year commitment if the city's talking about putting public housing on LaSalle Street. I don't, I don't, I don't want that. Well, there's 1,600 units coming, and I think 30% have to be affordable. Uh, I'm saying I'm not that good at math, but that's like I'm, I'm not. I'm not giving somebody a 15-year <laughs> commitment if they're going to put the Robert Taylor homes next 80. to me. I mean, I, I mean, you have to understand the commitment these businesses make. Now, I, maybe you know somebody's going to say, "I'll give you a million and a half dollar build out." Trust me, I'll give you a two-year lease, and you can go if everything turns. I don't know where you're getting that. Would anybody do that, Ed? I don't. I think it's just almost an impossible situation, and I don't think there's anybody who's really sitting down and dealing with the reality of the world. I think this is this is a lot of it's uncharted territory, and I don't think a lot of it's being run by people who know anything about it. Well, if if you lose the cities, Philadelphia, Boston, New York, and Chicago are the only cities that I think I know of that have the kind of transportation system where a million people can get to work at a reasonable cost, assuming the L was safe, or at a reasonable cost uh, without having to own a car. That is, especially if we go forward, both of you guys, that is such an incredible advantage to not use that to the nth degree. I don't see how you, I don't, see how you don't do that. I mean, we have an extension of going on the South Shore. We're talking about an extension of a red line, South Side. We're talking about maybe doing some stuff on the north side. You don't do that when you let the downtown go down. You, 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 can't, you can't do that, can you? Or where, where I, this all has to match together, doesn't it? I was reading that. Well, should, downtown yeah. has been declining since the 60s. And it, it's, it's never been 
treated, I think, the, the right way. And the just the whole, I mean, the, the degradation of the quality of the stores and the nightlife that's gone away. And I mean, the downtown was the hub for everybody to come to, to meet in. Wow, I mean, just for an off the wall thing, everybody went downtown at Christmas time to look at Marshall Fields windows. All the State Street stores had windows and that was a tradition for years for families to do and or come downtown to a show. I mean, there were beautiful theaters down here and all that stuff started closing. And then for years, it was a ghost town at night. Then they've succeeded in integrating apartment buildings and condominiums downtown, brought some of that back. Now we're at a standstill. It'd be interesting to see where it goes from there. Yeah, I mean, it has to sort of has to come back. But so, on what? Uh, give us a shameless plug. How do people find you? Audrey's got. Uh, if there's a house, she'll find it for you. And uh, you've expanded your your <laughs> areas a little bit. You're now doing some Joliet. You're doing a lot of Homer Glen. You're doing West Suburbs. I mean, you're all over the place, not just the New Orleans Tinley area. Oh God, nope. I'm entire West Southwest sides. Uh, actually, I've all the way been out selling in Mount Geneva and in Bodfield, Illinois. Well, plus you had the place on the north side of Chicago. Nobody even knows where that is. In Banfield? No, I don't think I know where Pardon? that is. Do I want to know where that is? Okay. I don't know. I'm going to let you guys think about where Banfield. Oh, is. God. Uh, I didn't know before I was over there. Okay, anybody can reach me at Audrey Johnson or Realtor.com or my cell directly, 708-846-6494. Greg, thank you very much. Good job, bud. See you again on Wednesday. S&P futures up six. NASDAQ futures down 22. We're leaking on the NASDAQ here a little bit. Again, with that big move on Friday, we're not giving back really any of that. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1 800 821 4968.